We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. Jack couldn't make it today, but we do have regular guests on the show, Will Jackson. Will, I know you're not feeling great after that one, but what's up, bro? I am very disappointed. What about you, Nick? (laughs) I'm doing okay. You know, I kind of went in this game not having high expectations, so I wouldn't be hurt. But the fact that the Nets kept it so close to halftime and only being down one and showing some major, like, grit during that first half, to lose this one, 145-123 definitely hurts. And that third quarter was as bad as it can get in a basketball quarter in the playoffs. The Nets got outscored 51-23. to They started off with a 21-2 to run. Thoughts on that third quarter? Because that's really what it's all about. The rest of the game was pretty even. Fourth quarter was all garbage time. What are your thoughts on the third and what went wrong? I mean, Joel Embiid was just having his way inside the entire quarter. I mean, basically all their players were hitting everything. I mean, J.J. Redick was usually quiet in the playoffs, but it just felt like he was hitting every single shot. And then Joel Embiid, it's just when he's driving inside, it just feels like anything that he puts up, he either gets a foul called or he just puts it in. It's just insane what he did in that third quarter. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I thought Philly just came out in that third quarter with high intensity. I thought everybody on the squad just came ready to play, especially on the defensive end, denying the ball from D'Angelo Russell. And you mentioned Joel Embiid. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if he got injections or something at halftime because he came out really juiced up. And, you know, it's a pretty common thing in sports. You know, you have an injury the first half, it's impacting you, and they want you to play in the second half. They're going to give you something to kind of loosen you up and obviously a two-day rest so he can kind of get back to his normal level for the next game probably for them or close to it. You know, see what happens. It's just the Nets and Kenny Atkinson did not adjust quick enough in that third quarter, and they didn't play with the necessary heart hustle that you need in a playoff game on the road, especially when the team is playing with desperation. You know, um, go ahead, Will. Yeah, I mean, D'Angelo Russell had zero second-half points. I mean, just nobody was getting going in that third quarter. I mean, just felt like we were getting offensive foul calls against us. We were getting, you know, they were getting every call. I mean, what? 
we can talk about the rest if we want. But um, no, it's just a really rough third quarter and just nothing was going our way. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, it, I mean, it's tough. You know, I think the Sixers made some great adjustments at halftime. Brett Brown was out coaching game one, but I feel like in that third quarter, he made some really strong adjustments in this game in general, too. One thing that really stuck out, Philly set a lot of picks inside the paint to open up Ben Simmons to get, get an open lane. Some of those were illegal picks, but they're not going to call it as much inside, so that's a good adjustment by them. And like I said, I think just overall, the Sixers put a lot of pressure. You mentioned D'Angelo having zero points in the second half. They denied the ball from him, and that's why we'll talk about a little bit later about a lineup change but I think it puts way too much pressure in a playoff atmosphere to have D'Angelo as the only creator out there. Yeah, and you were mentioning Ben Simmons inside. Usually we have Ed Davis in there, but he only played five minutes in this game, so I'm assuming it's because of the ankle. Yeah. I don't, I don't know much about it, but I hope it's because of the ankle. I mean, just for Kenny's sake, because we needed him in this game. Yeah, I think uh, the the fact is the game got out of hand and Ed's ankle was probably banged up and they know they need him in the series because he can at least give Joel Embiid a little bit of physicality in the paint where Jared Allen, he could try his best, but the best thing he can really do is draw an offensive foul like he did taking that mean elbow from the face from Joel Embiid. But it's going to be a lot of adjustments going into game three. Yeah, and we were really missing Jared Dudley tonight just True. on the floor. I mean, he... It's just when we're doing the zone, he does a good job with just containing Joel Embiid just a little bit. And he's not on the floor, and when he's not on the floor, you can really feel it. And we just were missing him the whole game tonight. Yeah, you missed his stabilizing presence, just somebody out there that can really help you out. And overall, it just the Nets offensively, you know, they still put up 123 and they scored 20 points in the third quarter. It was the defense. It was the lack of physicality. It was a lack of, you know, energy they were playing with. And in the first half, they brought some of it. But like we said, in the third quarter, it just wasn't there. And that just hurt them. And I think there's a lot for them to learn about this game and how such a small run can break into something huge. And really, next thing you know, you're out of the game and you just lost a playoff game. And every game matters to the highest extent in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, we didn't going into this game, I had the mindset where if we lost, I would be okay with it only because we kind of sealed up that we have home court advantage now technically going into the rest of the series. But to get embarrassed like this, to be down pretty much 35 for the majority of the fourth quarter, I mean, it's just not something that needs to happen in the playoffs. I mean, Musa, Napier, Pinson, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson should not be getting 10 minutes in the playoff game, bottom line. Yeah, I think um... – from a negative perspective, it could really give Philadelphia some confidence, especially some of the guys who weren't playing well, a Tobias Harris, a J.J. Redick. Now they're getting some rhythm going to game three. That's not something you want. On the other hand, I guess like the Nets could look at his perspective is, all right, they gave us their best blow in the third quarter of game two. We're not going to make our adjustments in that game because we think we pretty much already lost it, and we know this is a desperation game for them. So now we can save those adjustments for game three, come out, start with a big lead, build off our home crowd, and hopefully pull off the W. Because I think uh, going to this game, it was a very hard game to coach for Kenny because I felt like he did a great job in game one and had all the correct adjustments, made all the correct calls, where Philadelphia in this game was the one that had to make all the changes, and the Nets just didn't adjust enough during the game or at halftime, and they weren't ready for what they threw at them to start the third quarter. Yeah, Brett Brown doesn't usually make adjustments like that, so I was kind of surprised to see him change it up a little bit. And, I mean, it was just – I don't want to say Kenny was outcoached. It was just that – I mean, we weren't the ready for that. The lack of the timeout to the third quarter I think was yeah. an issue. You know – I know there was a stoppage for the review that kind of broke it down, but I, I honestly believe this, that he should have subbed in 
Dinwiddie or Levert, especially because D'Angelo was having such a tough time breaking off of Ben Simmons to just get the ball. Some of it was Ben Simmons grabbing at him. But hey, if the refs aren't going to call it, you need to adjust. You need to help out D'Angelo. And like we talked about, you know, Joe Harris can handle the ball for himself. He can't really create for others. He can drive an open lane. Same thing with Damari. Rodion's is a rookie. Jared Allen isn't looking to dribble the ball at all. So I think it just put way too much pressure on him. And Kenny should have made the sub. Dinwiddie, Levert, whoever it may be, or even having somebody like a Jared Dudley out there as a stabilizer who was out tonight would have probably helped in that situation. Yeah, there's a lot that you could have like looked on and play the what if game in that yep. third quarter, but bottom line, we just got outplayed. One thing that I want to mention, Boban Marjanovic can hit from that mid-range every that single elbow time. jumper, yeah. And something and, I mean a lot of basketball players shoot their entire life, you know, when you're practicing yep. when you're a young kid. But he was Will Chamberlain's game, man. I mean, <laughs> he was hitting every single shot. I mean, it ended up being only 8 for 14, but there was a time where he made, like, five of those in a row. And, like, you're giving him, like, six to eight feet of space to shoot. I mean, you just – I get that you're scared of him driving and he's so tall and so big and he's a huge presence. But at some point, you need to get up a little bit and make him pass it or make him shoot a contested shot. You can't just keep giving him the open shot time and time and time again, you know? Yeah, especially if you prove to hit it now. It's two games. That's a big enough sample size where, hey, step out on him. And what's the worst thing he's going to do is put the ball on the floor. You're going to have a great opportunity to steal it. He's not an amazing ball handler. It's not like he's going to put it between the legs, behind the back or something crazy and get to the rim on you. You'd rather see him try to do that. And, you know, I, I doubt Philly wants to see him trying to create off the dribble themselves. Yeah, I mean, it was just insane that you kept making them. And, I mean, you can force him to pass it, but we just weren't. And, He's also just so tall, so he'll get every single I mean, yeah, rebound. He's, I mean, he's huge. Like, I mean, it definitely is an issue. Um, he's a big going to the series. We knew Joel Embiid was huge. We knew Boban was huge. Probably one of the biggest center duos we're going to face. You know, any team is going to face in the playoffs. And the Nets got them in the first round, and they don't necessarily have the, the right crew to match up with them. And it didn't help that Ed Davis is on a busted ankle. Yeah, I mean, one part where we kind of took advantage of that was kind of late in the third quarter when Philadelphia already went on their huge run was when Dinwiddie was kind of just blowing by Boban and getting inside layups. Uh, I think it was like three plays in a row. And, I mean, I feel like that's something that we need to do with him and Levert in games like this where our outside shot isn't hitting. I mean, Joe Harris wasn't hitting threes. Um, I mean, it just felt like nobody was hitting the outside shot in this game. Yeah, I think you need to keep – one of either Lavert or Dinwiddie on the floor at all times because it makes Philadelphia play honest. Where D'Angelo's, you know, best asset is probably in the three-point game or the mid-range game or that floater game. But hey, even Embiid, if you're getting him that one-on-one situation, he doesn't have his regular athleticism. His knee isn't great. He's not laterally quick enough right now to defend you. So I think trying to get him in foul trouble is something along those lines. And I know you brought up officiating before. I think hopefully when this series trans uh, transitions to the Barclays Center the Nets should get some more calls because Joel Embiid is getting more calls than all the Nets guards combined driving to the rim. And there is plenty of contact, and I don't want to be the fan complaining about refs, but the Nets definitely need to get some more calls going into the rest of the series. Yeah, I mean, it felt like some of those calls were a little unnecessary. Some of them were a little soft on Philadelphia's part. but um, Especially when they create the contact. That's what my yeah. issue is. If you want to get this, do the soft calls, that's fine. But, hey, call Joel Embiid when he's throwing the elbows or he's lowering his shoulder. Same thing with Ben Simmons. Like, I, I understood the Rodion's thing. Like, he definitely deserved the flagrant. But the reason he did that is because Ben Simmons came charging into him with the shoulder and the elbow, and he was pissed. Yeah, the thing is, we haven't been getting calls at home all season, even though we are at home and we are the home team. Uh, but we haven't been getting those calls all season, so I just don't see how it's going to change in the playoffs. I mean, 
we're a smaller team. Um, it's just, I just, I, you can hope, right? You can hope that the refs finally call. I think, I think in the postseason, they do make a little bit more of an adjustment because of the home crowd. Long as Barclays Center is popping like that, I think that does have an influence. So I, I do believe that the Nets will start to get a little bit more calls, and that's just something that happens in the playoffs. You know, the home team always gets a little bit more. We'll see what happens. You know, it could not happen, and Embiid could keep getting the calls, and Dinwiddie could not because I thought there was a couple times in that third quarter alone where he should have had an and one. Uh, lots of times that you can point to the, the refs in this one. I mean, you could talk about should that have been a flagrant two on Embiid in the in late in the second quarter because that definitely would have changed the game. But uh, no, just the bad a bad job. Another what if, like you said, and like we we're talking about the refs, but overall the Nets didn't lose this game because of officiating. They lost this game because they didn't yeah. come out with the proper intensity in the third quarter, or they didn't make the proper adjustments in the third quarter. And really, you know, as much as we're not talking about the rest of the game, it's because it really didn't matter in the first half. The the Sixers came out pretty strong, got a nice little lead, but the Nets kept fighting, kept fighting, playing their game, and they came back and they tied it up, and Philly was only up one to go in a half. Yeah. Uh, one guy that I want to talk about in this game real quick is, I mean, he had his rookie moments where he was a little, where he was struggling a lot, but Crooks went on a run in that second quarter where he was just creating energy for this team and making shots. And, I mean, that's something that the Nets are going to need going forward is him getting those dunks because those do provide energy for this team. Especially in the home court, you know, at Barclays Center, I'll get the crowd popping. That's exactly what they need. And if he can knock down a couple of jumpers like he did in this game, I think that'd be big. It's just about him keeping his emotions intact. You know, obviously, like I said, the flagrant, I understand why he did it, but that's what Ben Simmons is going to try to do. He's going to try to antagonize you. Then when there was another play, he was frustrated with a call. He tried to go at it, a situation where it was Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid underneath. He just needs to learn to kind of get rid of some of those bad plays, but you can only ask so much from a rookie. Yeah, and we've mentioned it a couple of times. He has some, he has some tough skin on him. I mean, yeah. he's not afraid to get in your face and, you know, get a flagrant call on him or just like, you know, play a little harder. I mean, I mean, I guess that's the Latvian in him coming out. Yeah, we've yeah. seen it, we've seen it a couple times this season. And I mean, in the playoffs, that can play huge. You know, nice tenacity from him. You definitely can't complain about that. So. I mean, overall, there's not really much else to say other than the Nets just got scraped up in that third quarter. Now, moving into game three, what are some adjustments that you would like to see? Um, I'd like, I mean, besides Ed Davis hopefully being healthy, um, I'd like to see Levert get more than 20 minutes, hopefully 25 to 28 minutes possibly, and Dinwiddie um, probably get more than, like, like 30 minutes a game, hopefully. Uh, I'd play them both 30-plus. I think yeah. uh, they're your, your three best players. you got D'Angelo Ross, you got Spencer Dewey, you got Karis LeVert. All those guys need to play 30-plus minutes unless somebody's having a really rough night. And we talked about D'Angelo. I think he'll benefit a lot, especially with the way Philadelphia is playing him, to have another ball handler on the floor. And it worked well. You've seen Karis and Dinwiddie have a lot of success when on the floor together because Philly – can't defend both of them at the same time. You know, Jimmy Butler can only defend one of these guys. Ben Simmons was definitely a better defender tonight, but he has his moments where he kind of gets lackadaisical. Yeah, and one thing about Russell is that he really feeds off the home crowd. Mm. And in the playoffs, I feel like that's really going to help him. I mean, there were some times in this game where he was starting to get a little hot, but the Philadelphia fans were just all over him, and he kind of just took some ugly shots later in the second quarter that kind of cooled him down a little bit. But when he's hot and he's at home, I mean, he can make any shot that he puts up. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen him, like you call it, horse shots all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the kind of shots that he makes mostly at home. And he's really going to feed off the home playoff crowd, hopefully, because it's hopefully going to be sold out. 
Yeah, no, I believe it'll definitely be sold out. There will be some Philly fans there too because it's so close and obviously, you know, they're going to look to try to follow their team. I think D'Angelo, one thing I like to see from him is take a couple more shots of the rim. You don't necessarily have to make them, but what you're doing is you're pulling Joel Embiid away from the rim, giving Jared Allen an opportunity to clean up on the boards and throw it down. And we saw that happen a couple times with Dinwiddie and Levert in the game. Yeah, Jared Allen actually played 23 minutes tonight, which kind of shocked me. But, I mean, Ed Davis, assuming, was out for the game. So, I guess that makes sense. But he uh, he wasn't bad. Uh, obviously, the flagrant that he um, got Embiid caught on really helped. Uh, but, I mean, he wasn't bad tonight. He shot 3-4 from the line, 3-4 from the field. Um, he was grabbing some rebounds. Like, yeah, I mean, he had that really nice alley play from Dinwiddie. Other than that, I mean, he did struggle guarding Embiid on the inside like he does normally when he plays against Embiid. What did you think about him tonight? Yeah, I thought offensively he was a lot better in this game. You felt him out there. Obviously not as bad in terms of foul trouble. It almost seems like he would be a better matchup against Boban just because he has a little bit of the length and Boban's not going to get as creative as Embiid. Where I think, like, I don't know if the Nets would ever do this, but I might actually consider starting Ed Davis in a situation so he can match up with Embiid because I just don't think Jared Allen can. I know it's weird to kind of change your starting lineup at this point, but I think that would be a really good adjustment. And I think the Nets have a, as a group have enough chemistry where they can do things like that on the fly. Yeah, I just hope that wouldn't affect his confidence because, I mean, Jared Allen, we've seen him have a little confidence before and it does affect his game. But, um, no, I mean, I, I'm all for starting at Davis if he's healthy just because in um, game one he did a really good job against Embiid. He brings physicality that the Nets desperately need in this series because Philly is the bigger team. They're the stronger team. They're the more talented team. They need somebody like Ed Davis to set the tone. You know, Damari's done a solid job. Jared Dudley's done a great job with the physicality. I think having, like, I would make an adjustment in the starting lineup. That's what I would look to do. I would look to start either Karis Levert or Spencer Dinwiddie, and then I'd consider the Ed Davis thing. I don't think you have to start Ed Davis, but I definitely think you have to start Dinwiddie or Levert in the next game to alleviate the pressure off D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I agree with you there. And um, if he's healthy, would you consider starting Dudley over Rody? Um, I think it's a possibility. I think I would make at most two adjustments to the starting lineup. I wouldn't want to mess with it too much. So either I'm starting Laver Dinwiddie, and then I'm starting Ed Davis, or I'm starting Dudley. Like, I actually don't think maybe starting Dudley and Rody on spot, and then that could be just one adjustment you make because that would kind of help a little bit. But then you're also a lot slower not having an athlete on the floor like Rodion's or Levert or something like that. So I think there's different elements to consider. And also, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a big believer in if a guy starts, it doesn't necessarily mean he needs starter minutes, but you're just starting that lineup out there to kind of right. set the tone. And I think that's something we've seen the Nets have struggled with during the last month of the season. You know, over the last couple games against Milwaukee, Indiana, they had pretty good – in Miami, they had good first quarters. But before that, there was a lot of bad first quarters. And I think in a playoff game where momentum is so big, especially when you're the less talented team, you need to get off to a solid start. It doesn't have to be the best start. You don't have to go up by 10. But it'd be good if you keep it within one, you keep it within three, whatever it may be, because you want to keep that momentum and you want to keep your confidence up, especially in that third quarter, because obviously that's where the Nets got killed. And even in game one, Philly came out in the third quarter, and they went on a run. The Nets were able to hold them off, but that's not something you want to see. Yeah, Philly cut it to two in that third quarter. I mean, the key for the Nets is that they can get leads, but we always struggle sustaining the leads. And to do that, and we need to just work on that because that's just going to be huge in the playoffs. I mean, we saw leads fall apart in the regular season, like the Thunder game, the Wizards game. I mean, we get out to these leads, and we just, you know, we don't hit shots consistently. We don't. We kind of slow down a little bit, and we can't do that in the playoffs.
yeah, you got to keep your foot on the gas and keep going, keep attacking. Obviously, we talked about officiating, but I think in general, you know, the Nets need to do a better job of getting to the free throw line, whatever that may be. They did shoot 29 free throws, but it felt like a lot of them came in that first fourth quarter when the game didn't necessarily matter. I remember looking at the first quarter stats, and they only had two free throw attempts. Yeah, I mean, 10 free throws in that fourth quarter came from Rondé and Shabazz Napier, so we weren't getting a lot of calls earlier in the game. Yeah, so obviously that's a big a big factor, especially when the other team's on a run. That's something you can do to kind of slow down the game, get your composure, and kind of get that poise. And this is a good learning experience for the Nets. You know, like, as much as it sucks to get bodied and blown out by, you know, 30 points, they realize now, hey, any small run you let a team go on, that can make or break a playoff game. Yeah, and after this game, it's just even more important that we took game one so Philadelphia doesn't just have this run for the rest of the playoffs. I mean, we know that we can get a game off of them, and we know that we can do it again, especially at home. And I think if you're going home, you know, ideally you want to win both games, but I think you want to win game three, put this series at 2-1, and then you keep putting the pressure back on Philadelphia, back on Philadelphia. They're the team that has the pressure. We've talked about this a lot. The Nets are playing with house money. They're not expected to win the series. They're not even expected to be in the playoffs. The fact they're here and they already won a playoff game with this group, you know, still a lot of pressures on Philadelphia. Yeah, prove the haters wrong, man. Um, like you said, house money. Um, no pressure on the Nets. Just go out there and just, I don't know what to say, play your hardest, I guess. Yeah, no, that's what they got to do. They just got to come out, game three, come with the intensity. I'll be there. I'll be making sure that I'm juiced up, maybe a couple of Red Bulls in or something, whatever it may be. Um, just, you know, Barclays is going to have to get loud. And I think winning game three really puts a lot of pressure because then Philadelphia knows they're going at least six games at the least and that's giving the Nets a real opportunity to win the series and I don't think going to the season many people thought the Nets would have an opportunity to win a playoff series and as bad as they lost right here they're still a real shot in this, this series. One thing I want to mention is that um, the Nets have basically been playing a playoff game for the past month and a half. And Kenny mentioned that before the game. Yeah I mean we've Every game felt like a must win in the last, you know, road stretch of the season, you know, in those two games against Milwaukee and Indiana, not necessarily Miami game, but for that last month where we were playing the Kings, the Lakers, it just felt like a playoff game because every game, you know, you looked at the standings and we didn't have a solid lead and we just took that momentum and we won game one and hopefully that we can continue that into game three. We'll see. And, and just it'll say a lot about the team and the way they react, especially a lot of the guys And after a not-so-great performance. And I think the number one thing you can control in a basketball game is the way you play defense and you rebound the basketball. Shots aren't always going to fall, but they need to do a better job rebounding, group rebounding, whatever it may be. Everybody has to be attentive. And I think transition defense, which I thought was great in game one, was not great today, especially against Ben Simmons. And it's just a, it's a team thing. You're not going to stop them by yourself, but if you form a wall with two guys, you should be good. Yeah, and all these collective team things really help when Jared Dudley's on the court. True. And um, when he's back, hopefully game three, he's really going to help with that. And who knows? I'm, I mean, I'm not one to really believe in this, you know, to the highest degree, but I do think there is some credence to it. And that's the fact is, like, maybe the Nets went to this one and they're like, hey, we won one game on the road. Jared Dudley could probably play in game two, but it'd be more important for him to play in game three or play in game four. So we want to maintain his health and similar to the reason that Ed Davis didn't play big minutes. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably why Ed Davis didn't play many minutes. Um, going into uh... – Game three, just home crowd needs to be loud. The Nets feed off of that. Uh, the brigade needs to be really loud. To, uh, they always tonight. bring it. So I got confidence in them. It's about the rest of the crew out there. Tickets were expensive, so everybody should make sure they get their money's worth. Will, any final thoughts on this one? 
Uh, it's going to be a long two days, but hopefully it pays off on Thursday. Yeah, a lot of time. I think, uh, as like I said, I'm, we're trying to be as positive as possible, but as bad of a loss as it is, you have two days. Philly does not know what the adjustments you were going to do, what you were going to do to you know compared to what they just did. So now the Nets have a little bit of an upper hand, and they can come out with a strong first quarter. And who knows what's going to happen with Joel Embiid's knee. Obviously, two days of rest could help him, but the Nets just need to keep attacking him, keep attacking him, and try to put the pressure on that knee. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, I think just getting Ed Davis back hopefully will really help with that because he is a monster inside offensively. Yeah, same thing. Jared Dudley getting him back will be a huge plus as well. As always, thank you, everybody, for listening. Check us out iTunes, Block Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and YouTube. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.